And we have Liftoff! In this week's episode, we're talking all about Fantasy Star, one of my favorite yet highly overlooked video games of all time. As Sega's debut into the world of JRPGs, we'll explore the unique history of the series, its groundbreaking entry into online gaming, and what's next in the franchise's future. The star is the way as we launch into a brand new episode of That One Somali Nerd. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm your host, Faiza Barise here, and you're listening to That One Somali Nerd, a podcast on all things geek and then some. Each week, I'll be reviewing a show, movie, game, or comic series that has made big waves in today's geek culture. I'll also throw in a fair share of nostalgia with some fun surprises along the way. So get ready to hear it all from me and a whole lot more right here on That One Somali Nerd. Of course, be sure you check out my link tree in the notes where you can find my website at fadedraws.com along with my socials on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram all in one place. I also have a Patreon or patrons gain access to behind-the-scenes info, new episodes a day early, an invite to the official Discord server, and more. For details and inquiries, email me at fiza.barise at gmail.com. Thanks for the support, and let's get to the show. Now, when you think of the name Sega, one speedy blue hedgehog comes to mind. When discussing the company, however, a lot of folks tend to sideline its contributions towards the gaming industry over the decades. From its early start in arcades to its big breakthrough in the console market, Sega has always aimed high. They weren't afraid to take risks, creating games that challenged the medium and pushed the hardware to its limits. In doing so, they presented a creative lineup of console games that continue to earn high praise and newfound appreciation in later years. But for Sega, they had their eyes set on the stars from the very beginning. Now, just to set the scene for our listeners out there, the 80s was quite the decade in video game history. Nintendo was at the top of the game, having dethroned Atari and saving the industry from the crash of 1983 by developing the Famicom, otherwise known as the Nintendo Entertainment System, or NES for short. Buoyed by the successful bubble economy that was going on in Japan, this made the country the new center of video games, and it wasn't long before developers took notice. Sure, plenty have had prior experience in arcades, but with the newfound focus shifted towards console gaming, this led to new competitors entering the ring. And one of them was Sega. Now, don't get me wrong, folks, there have been plenty of genres they've offered, from action to platformers, even dating sims. However, if there was one genre in particular they had their eyes set on, it's role-playing games. You heard that right. R.P.G.s. Nihon Falco was set the remark earlier, certified with the release of Dragon Slayer in 1984. Its action-based gameplay and medieval fantasy setting set the template of several other RPGs, such as Nintendo's The Legend of Zelda series and Squaresoft's Dragon Quest, both of whom became their company's flagship franchises. From Hudson Soft's Xanadu to Namco's Dataro Druaga, RPGs were popping up and making moves, and it wasn't long before Sega took notes. At the time, the company had just released the Sega Master System, a console that would directly compete with Nintendo's Famicom. Their library ranged from console games like Alex Kidd and Miracle World to ports of arcade games such as Space Harrier. But Sega wanted to expand their reach towards new genres, and with JRPGs hitting a new peak in 1987, they decided to strike while the iron was hot. And they had to strike now. 
for their new project, Sega aimed to create an RPG of their own. The staff consisted of 10 members, some having worked on Alex Kidd, such as series creator Kotaro Hayashida, who worked as the new project's lead designer. Now, there were a lot of women on the team, which was unprecedented at the time, such as lead graphic designer Rieko Kodama, playtest supervisor Miki Morimoto, and scenario writer Chieko Aoki. Development for the game also marked the start of a young Yuji Naka and Naoto Oshima entering the scene, working as lead programmer and designer. Due to the team's creative freedom, they shaped the game that embodied their collective visions and pushed it towards uncharted territory. They sought to create an RPG that felt original, ditching the medieval fantasy atmosphere of their contemporaries in favor of a sci-fi-inspired setting. Recognizing the fame of Star Wars, they were able to blend futuristic technology with classic fantasy elements. Another big change was the introduction of a female protagonist by Kodama, who addressed the need of one whom female gamers could relate to as a sharp contrast to the damsels in distress at the time. They also took note of western games like Wizardry, adding dungeon crawling mechanics and enemy animations that enhanced exploration. As for the name, Yuji Naka was inspired by a song called Nagisa no Fantasy by Noriko Sakai, a personal favorite of his that would lend itself to the project's new title. Then, on December 20th, 1987, Fantasy Star set off towards the galaxy. centers on Alice, a young woman living in Kamenit on the planet Palma. Having witnessed the death of her brother Nero, she vows to avenge him by embarking on a quest to destroy King Lashik, an evil tyrant responsible for this tragedy. This sees Alice traveling across the Algol system, visiting worlds such as the desert planet Dezorus and the frozen realm of Matavia. Along the way, she encounters allies in the rugged warrior Odin, mystic Esper Noah, and talking cat Meow as the four work together towards defeating the tyrants along with a great evil that threatens the galaxy the entity known as Dark Falls. Right off the gate, I love how Fantasy Star is reinventing the genre. Sega was pretty ahead of the industry in ways that even Square didn't catch up to until a decade later. I also appreciate how they introduced Alice in the game because think about it folks, at the time most women in games were either seen as damsels in need of saving or a prize for the hero at the end. Even games such as Metroid, iconic as it was, only revealed Samus's true identity as a woman depending on the ending you got. But Fantasy Star... <laughs> Right from the minute you boot up the game, it's on the title screen, front and center. To that end, I gotta applaud the late Rieko Kodama for her work on a series and paving the way for more women in gaming. Her efforts towards female representation was impressive as a lot of developers today have taken note from her, whether intentionally or unintentionally. Nonetheless, though she may be gone from this world, her legacy will never be forgotten. Nonetheless, the series was a hit for the Master System, leading Sega to follow with three new installments for its next console, the Mega Drive otherwise known as the Genesis for folks in the States. This began with 1989's Fantasy Star 2, taking place a whole millennium following the first game where Matavia is now a green paradise. After witnessing a dream of Alice fighting Dark Falls, a man named Rolf is tasked with investigating the Biosystems Lab and the strange energy spikes that has caused bio monsters to appear. Accompanied by his friend Ney, the two ally with others in traversing the galaxy, fighting monsters, and searching for a data encoder tied to these events. Their journey leads them to Climatrol, where they fight against the perpetrator, albeit at the sacrifice of one of the party members. As they press onwards, they arrive too late as the damage has caused the main computer system, Mother Brain, no relation to Metroid there, folks, to get corrupted and label them as traitors. Now faced with the odds, they escape and set course to eliminate the main computer by the familiar entity of darkness and learn the truth behind the events. I love the sequel since it manages to be a step up from the first, yet redefine its core elements. And building on the original themes of characterization and self-discovery, it set a benchmark for RPGs and having character-driven storylines. This is made more impactful as the team confront the loss of a major character in the second act, 
making for an effective turning point that's nothing short of heartbreaking. Even if they switched out the first-person dungeon crawling, I appreciate the sequel's reliance on a top-down perspective that builds on the Mega Drive's graphical capabilities, especially in a strategy-based action. Heck, the game was the first to have a 6-megabit cartridge, which did best to show how far Sega has come to pushing their pixels. Between the return of a familiar character and variety and scale, Fantasy Star 2 is a landmark of the original games. Even the twist in the final act does well to reverse a common trope in science fiction, one that makes for a neat surprise that continues to be discussed today. Now, Fantasy Star 3 Generations of Doom was a unique entry in the franchise due to it being a sharp departure from the first two games. Released in 1990, it focuses on the long-standing conflict between the people of Rakio and Laia. As the two factions feuded, their leaders eventually reached a ceasefire before mysteriously disappearing. The story then picks up years later, as Reese, an Arakian crown prince, discovers a mysterious woman named Maya washed up on the shore. As the two meet, they fall in love and marry, only to be disrupted by a dragon who snatches Maya amidst the chaos. Spurred into action, Reese forms a band of heroes to save her, only realizing that Maya's capture was in fact a rescue from the people of Laia and the revelation of her lion heritage. Despite their rivalry, it's later shown that both nations are actually descendants of Palma, the planet having been impacted by the collision of the satellite prison that transpired in Fantasy Star 2. This sees both sides unite as three generations work together to overcome their differences and work towards destroying the machinations of Dark Falls. The game's development was a challenging one for the franchise in terms of it being a side story. Fantasy Star 3 is notable in having multiple endings to the story, depending on who the characters marry and set as a party. The latter is quite interesting since we see this mechanic reused in later titles, notably in the 3DS era Fire Emblem games. Even with the mixed reception received, I admire how it continues to build the fabric of Fantasy Star, more evident with the release of the fourth chapter of the games. Fantasy Star 4 The End of the Millennium marks the final act of the original series. Released in 1993, the series directly follows Fantasy Star 2 in terms of chronological order. Following a great collapse that was reverted Batavia to its original desert state, bio-monsters have begun to re-emerge. This sees a hunter named Alice Bronwyn, who brings her apprentice Chas Ashley to investigate the strange connection between Matavia's climate situation and the rise of these creatures. As they meet others that join their adventures, this leads them to Zeo, a man plotting to reawaken Dark Falls. As the party fights him, this leads to one of the major characters dying with Chaz and the team mourning their loss. In taking up the mantle of leader, Chaz and the team set out to defeat Zeo and work towards restoring the computer systems from Dark Falls' influence. However, they eventually discover that its lingering presence is actually caused by the profound darkness, a dark being sealed away whose resentment manifests as Dark Falls every millennia due to alterations in the barrier. In arriving at the enemy's stronghold, they work towards stopping the profound darkness and restoring peace to the galaxy. I genuinely consider Fantasy Star 4 as my personal favorite, if not above the original game. From the manga-like cutscenes, the expanded dialogue between characters, and the true origins of his central villain, it made for quite the strong installment in the series. It also does a good job in providing callbacks to previous games, making nods to characters I was surprised to see return. They also do a great job of character drama, another aspect I loved in the second game, but taking above and beyond as we see the characters react in certain events. Their personalities just bounce off each other so well, from Alice's confident yet caring nature to Rune's cocky yet reliable attitude. As we watch Chaz grow into a determined leader, his journey sees every twist and turn yet manages to shape him into a formidable protagonist. In rounding out the story with the defeat of Dark Falls, it caps off the story on a high note and paves the way for new adventures ahead. With Fantasy Star's success, it helped reinforce Sega's position as a top rival in the video game industry. With the Mega Drive gaining momentum, the arrival of a certain Speedy Blue Hedgehog helped propel the company forward and cement their status in welcoming players to the next level. In other words, Sega did when Nintendo don't. Sorry, I'll stop. 
With Sega capitalizing on the victory of Sonic the Hedgehog in the 1990s, this led to a change in the company. Yuji Naka and Naoto Oshima worked on the game that led them to found Sonic Team in 1990 alongside Hirokazu Yasuhara, and for new titles to be developed under the name. Even if their presence had begun to wane in the mid to late 90s, they took risks in creating games that took the medium to new heights, especially once they jumped into one game-changing console, the Sega Dreamcast. the sixth generation of video games in 1998, the Sega Dreamcast was the peak of what Sega offered in the console market. And utilizing state-of-the-art 3D graphics, this made for unique features integrated into its hardware, notably the VMU. However, Sega was struggling with their jump to 3D, having stumbled earlier with the release of Sonic Adventure as the Dreamcast's launch title. It was there that Sega chairman Isao Okawa tasked Sonic Team with creating an online game that showcased the Dreamcast's capabilities. In releasing the game Chuchu Rocket in 1999, they sought to test the waters of this new territory before going all in. Now, keep in mind that the Dreamcast is in a class Now, keep in mind that the Dreamcast is in a class of its own and for good reason looking back. It is the first to utilize online play, relying on a built-in modem that allows players to connect with others around the world. In taking note of Choo Choo Rocket's success, Yuji Naka looked towards a way to expand on this achievement. For Sonic Team's next entry, he observed the rise of popular online games in the West, particularly Diablo. In acknowledging the sleek graphic output despite heavy reliance on system memory, he aimed to create a game that utilized a similar method but in 3D. Initially developed under the title of Third World, the project would see the development of a sci-fi game and bringing key team members such as Satoshi Sakai as an art director. And looking at one of Sakai's sketches of a dragon, Naoto Oshima recalled Fantasy Star as the franchise has long been dormant for nearly a decade at the time. As the team conversed on the matter, they decided to change direction towards creating a brand new installment of the series. Between concept revisions and online functionality, this culminated with the release of Fantasy Star Online in 2000. Centering on the efforts of Pioneer 2 and their fight against Dark Falls, it was the first online RPG released for home consoles, relying on a co-op environment that allowed players to work together, notably in dungeon crawling. In allowing character customization, players can choose between races and classes as well as honing their skills in gameplay. Instead of frequently patching the game, however, Sega opted for later releases and new versions such as version 2 that added new difficulty modes, enhanced UI, team battles, and more. As the Dreamcast discontinued in 2001, Sega decided to port the game to the Nintendo GameCube due to their hardware similarities. This resulted in Episode 1 and 2 in 2003, with the former being a port of Version 2 and the latter providing all new content in the story. Nevertheless, the game proved to be yet another success for Sega as a turning point in the JRPG industry. Even with restructuring back to a third-party developer, Sega continued to offer games in their franchises that continued to build on its repertoire. Among the various titles following Fantasy Star Online, there was Episode 3, Card Revolution in the same year, and Blue Burst in 2005. Even as servers for the games eventually closed down, some private servers still exist thanks to community efforts online. But at this point, Sega was more than ready to set out on exploring a new side of the galaxy, or rather, a new universe. Now, at this point in the episode, we're going to take a quick break before getting into the second half. Stay tuned!
Once again, you're tuned into That One Somali Nerd with me, Faiza Barise here. And without further ado, let's get back to the show. Fantasy Star Universe was released in 2006 as a brand new installment in their long-running franchise. The game takes place in a girl hall system a hundred years following the final conflict. In commemorating a century of peace between the three planets of the Allied Army, the Union is interrupted by a meteor shower across the system, giving rise to beasts known as Seed. Faced with this sudden threat, a teenager named Ethan Wobber reluctantly joins as a new member of the Guardians in their fight. Along the way, he makes new friends, rivalries, and enemies, pitting him against the forces of Magashi, a figure who seeks to control the galaxy. This leads Ethan to channel his abilities, face shocking events, and uncover mysteries that determine the very fate of the galaxy. Along with its expansion and ambition of the Illuminus, the game saw subsequent sequels for the PlayStation Portable and Fantasy Star Portable, Portable 2, and a Japan-only release of Portable 2 Infinity. There was also a Nintendo DS standalone game, Fantasy Star Zero, which I think deserves more recognition, especially in retrospect. However, it was at that point that Sega felt a bit of nostalgia and the need to revisit a classic. Even with the change of direction, it was back to the drawing board. More than a decade later, Sega went back to basics with Fantasy Star Online 2. Marking a return to the online series, it built on the original game while integrating elements of the universe games, particularly new classes and races for players to choose from. The new series focuses on the work of Oracle, an organization that traverses the galaxy in search of new planets. In acquiring light particles called photons, they were able to harness its energy from space travel to combat. At the same time, they are confronted by the False Spawn, dark entities of Dark Falls that plan to wipe out the universe. In order to halt this threat, a multi-party exploration division called ARCS is formed to combat the enemy and dispatch the various locations to stop the False Spawn's actions. This has you, the protagonist, embark on a mission across dimensions to stop the entity once and for all. Chronicling six episodes, Online 2 takes a new approach to the franchise like never before. The game wholly embraces its franchise conventions, yet feels fresh and going for a new perspective. Sega has gone lengths to promote the game, taking note of the free-to-play market spurred on by its contemporaries. In aiming for a multi-platform release, it targeted Sega's main strategy to develop Asia as a single market. With its release of 2012, however, this meant that a lot of Western territories would be left out in the process. This led to an extended delay period that lasted for eight years, its reason being due to Sega trying to find the right infrastructure to operate the North American version. Or you could have just relied on the dang consoles. Oh well. Fortunately, after eight years of episodes, two anime adaptations, and two mobile spin-offs, the game was released worldwide in 2020. Hey, better late than never. A year later, the game received a massive update in the form of Fantasy Star Online 2 New Genesis. To be honest, the game is a big improvement for the previous version in terms of updating its graphics, gameplay, script, characters, and storyline. Following 100 years after the events of Fantasy Star Online 2, New Genesis takes place on Halfa, a world where a new generation of ARCs are sent to fight a new foe, the Dolls. Yes, I know, sounds weird, just roll with me. In order to combat this threat, mysterious beings known as the Meteorn are dispatched on Halfa, one of whom is you, the player. In allying with your new friends, you join ARCs in battling this threat, learning to hone your skills and discovering a secret that'll change the course of the planet. I'm glad that with New Genesis, Sega has already learned their lessons well. Not only did they opt for a simultaneous release worldwide, they really improved a lot from Fantasy Star Online 2. I'm glad that Sega has begun to acknowledge its shortcomings in recent years and allow for more growth based on feedback shared. We get to see this shine bright with New Genesis, and it's only going to get better in time. In retrospect, Fantasy Star is a series that breaks new ground as it evolves with each decade. 
From its innovative debut to its groundbreaking step into online gaming, Sega has continued to expand the games in recent years. Despite its role as a forerunner, however, the series continues to be overlooked in RPGs as games such as Final Fantasy and Monster Hunter top the market. Regardless, Fantasy Star serves as a benchmark in RPGs, allowing the genre to pay homage to its roots while defying convention. Even if its competitors remain atop of the game, Fantasy Star stays light years ahead of the industry, blazing trails and charting a new course towards a bright future ahead. And that's the end of this week's episode! As always, you can check out my link tree in the notes along with my website at fadedraws.com and socials on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram all in one place. Also, I have a Patreon where patrons gain access to behind-the-scenes info, early releases of new episodes, a link to the official Discord server, and more. For details and inquiries, email me at fiza.badise at gmail.com. Once again, this is Fiza Badise signing off for that one smile nerd this week. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next time. Geek on!